Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you once again for tuning in week after week. You guys are fantastic. I love you for just your support and believing in me. I can't tell you how much that means to me in my life. I also would like to give a shout out to our sponsors, Siegfried & Jensen, Wasatch Recovery, iHill Institute, and Veracity Networks. Again, amazing companies, and I, I appreciate you guys believing me as well. And thanks to all the previous guests. Um, this is going to be, man, we're well over 230 something episodes now, which is kind of cool. And, uh, but the guests that I have on are just fantastic. And today is going to be no different today. We are joined by Kelsey Autry. Kelsey, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you bet. So Kelsey's coming live from North Carolina. <laughs> yes. A, a long ways away from where I'm at. But, uh, you know, I came across Kelsey's story, um, you know, several months ago. And Kelsey has an amazing story. She uh, has had a really rough part of her life. Uh, she got, I think she's had three DUIs. She's overdosed. She was 13 years in addiction. Uh, she had some jail time, criminal charges, went to rehab. And correct me if I'm wrong, Kelsey, are you over four years clean now? January will be four years clean. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, she, she's, a, she's married. She's a wife. She's a mom to a boy and a girl. And she's just, I mean, she, her presence on social media is fantastic. She's sponsored by a lot of people. She promotes fashion, but also promotes uh, recovery and getting help. And that's why I really saw her and I thought I got to have her on the show. So Kelsey, again, thanks for being here. Um, I'd like to maybe start off just asking you, tell us about where you grew up and about your childhood. Yeah, definitely. So I grew up in Wilmington, North Carolina. It's a pretty big city. Uh, I was raised by my grandparents uh, because okay. my mom and my dad both had addiction struggles themselves. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so it was kind of, I kind of grew up around it. Although my grandparents did a great job um, raising us and kind of sheltering us from it, it was still all around. My grandfather had a horrible drinking addiction my whole life. Um, both of them were very, very obese. They had an addiction to food. So it might have been, you know, not necessarily drugs that was in front of us, but it was definitely addictions all around. But uh, my grandparents were amazing. We lived in a pretty nice house in a nice neighborhood for the most part. Um, they kind of sheltered my parents from us, but you know, it, they were my mom's mom and dad. So okay. my mom would come and visit and uh, she was in jail for a lot of my childhood. She was always yeah. in and out, in and out of rehab on a, my grandparents would say she was on a mission, but it was we knew what that meant. That was, right, she was out right. on a binge and no oh, telling yeah. when we'd see her. Um, but that's kind of like how I grew up for the most part, you know, it was kind of all I seen. Um, yeah. but 
Wow. So um, now do you have brothers or sisters? I do. I have one sister. One sister. Okay. So growing up in that um, environment, first of all, being with your grandparents and I mean, that was a really good thing for them to take you uh, under their wing. Um, obviously, they were, had their own struggles. So you were faced with watching that as well. Tell, tell us, uh, being a kid going through this, I mean, that had to have felt somewhat painful, I would imagine, you know, knowing that you're being raised by your grandparents and that your mom would just maybe check in from time to time. T tell us about how that felt and maybe what were some of the emotions you were going through as a kid? Yeah, so I definitely felt abandoned. I can always remember from a young age, never feeling like I was enough. Um, you know, my, my sister was the older one. She uh, was the first grandchild. Okay. So, you know, she was very, very spoiled and she was the apple of my grandparents' eyes. So yeah. not just with my, my parents leaving and choosing drugs over their children, but also like my grandparents even favoring my sister. I didn't feel enough with them either, you yeah. know, and it's just all these feelings of abandonment and, um, not necessarily neglect because they did take care of us. We had everything we needed. We might not have had all the wants that we wanted. My grandma, yeah. you know, she was a stay at home parent and my grandpa worked for a taxi service. So we were not well off. We did struggle, mm. but we had all the needs, you know, yeah. but just those feelings of abandonment is that's just not okay for children at such a young age. And I can remember feeling that from, you know, as early as my earliest memories, six, seven years old. Wow. Yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine how difficult that could have been at times. And, and so how were you in school? Were, did that affect your schoolwork? Were you kind of a kid who kind of rebelled at school or did you kind of, you know, isolate what kind of, what, what did it kind of do for your school? So I think my, I think school was kind of my safe place for mm. elementary and middle school. Um, I was, I was kind of the quiet, shy one, but when I got comfortable with a group of friends, they were like my best friends. Awesome. And uh, it was kind of like my safe spot until I got to high school. And that's when I kind of rebelled and um, I just fell into the wrong crowd. I actually made a post about this on Instagram about like who you hang out with really yeah. truly matters. It matters, you know, and I wish I could go back, you know, 20 years and tell my younger self that, that it matters. But it was the first time that I really felt like I, I was wanted in this group of friends that they liked me. And it was just that kind of attention that I never really had growing up. Um, that just yeah. kind of made me felt, feel like I belonged there. And we were not great influences on each other. And I was very much at the time, um, a follower and not a leader. So, yeah, you know, it's, I saw that post that you put and it, boy, it hit me so hard. You're, you're so well-spoken by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you so you really, much. <laughs> you really are. You really speak your mind in such a really good way. You, you, you really share, you paint a beautiful story as I was reading, but the thing that came to my mind is when I read that post is how, how connection is so important. And we hear this all the time that connections, the opposite of addiction, right? Yeah. And, and basically that's what you were saying is like, you know, how important it is that we hang out with the right people. But again, you're a young, young girl who was just doing her best with what you were faced with. And so, I mean, it's natural that you would maybe be stuck in some of these maybe unhealthy relationships. Yeah, definitely. So how was your relationship with your sister, your older sister? 
Oh, goodness. It's strained. Uh, okay. I think growing up, we were, um, we were, I, we were two years apart, so we were pretty close in age, but we were just so different, you know, like yeah. we were just, she was, you know, spoiled. Like I said, she was more spoiled than I was. And, you know, I think we've both seen the same things. We both obviously lived the same childhood. So she had her own trauma from it, you know, yeah. um, and, you know, things happened to her while we were young and, you know, when we were with my mom in particular, but, uh, and I'm sure this has happened to, I mean, my goodness, I don't know the statistics, but so much of the population has been sexually abused as children. And yeah. that happened to my sister. So she kind of went through yeah. that. And then after it, she just kind of like rebelled and was just yeah. kind of like, you know, done with the world after that. And she mm. kind of moved out when she was 16 and never looked yeah. back. So it's like, yeah. we, by the time we were like really old enough to get to know each other and grow close, we, she was already gone. You know, yeah. she was gone. And gotcha. to this day, she still struggles, whereas I'm clean. And so yeah. it's hard to have a relationship now. Yeah, that is tough. Yeah, especially and it's tough because I know you love her and you know, you want that connection. But again, you also have to be good for where you're at and protect yourself and stuff. So wow. Yeah. Well, let's you I mean, you know, like I mentioned in the in your bio, I mean, you you were 13 years in addiction. When did that start for you? And maybe kind of share your story of what 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 led up to that and kind of what you went through as you uh, struggled with that for 13 years? Yeah, definitely. So I was actually pretty young, I think, uh, towards my own, own kids now. And I think, goodness, if they were doing the stuff I was doing at 13 years right. old, I would whoop their butts and I don't even <laughs> spank my kids. But I was 13. Um, like I said, it was right when I was getting into high school and I fell into the wrong crowd. They were older and, mm -hmm. you know, it started off just smoking pot, right? Isn't that how yeah. it always starts right, off? For sure. That's why they call it that gateway drug. And it is yeah. the truth, you know? Uh, yeah. And I thought it's just pot. No. And, and actually yeah. growing up, my uncle lived with us, my mom's brother, and he all like, he was a big pothead. So I literally had it right <laughs> in my house. Right. And, um, <laughs> So it was like yeah. not very hard to get. I didn't have to go through all the proper channels of finding a dealer and it was right in my house. So um, it started off with that. And then of course, drinking and the high school parties yeah. and, you know, it was just fun. It was genuinely just high school fun. I didn't even know what addiction was besides like watching my mom go through it with, and they were, my parents' addiction was crack cocaine and heroin. Mm. Um, so I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that. That's so, so bad. I'm just smoking and drinking like every other normal high school kid, no big deal. But then it right. led, it led to further things. So I started smoking and drinking at age 13. By age 17, I was taking pills from my best friend's grandma's uh, medicine cabinet. Right. And then it turned to cocaine at a high school party that they were offering it around. And, um, then by, you know, it just quickly progressed after that. So I was 17 when I, when I used IV for the first time wow. and it was, it was pills, uh, once again, hanging out with people that were way too old to be right. hanging out with a 17 year old kid. But I still at this point didn't know a lot of what I know now. So like, and I tell right. people this all the time, you know, mm. especially with opiates, like you and because I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a victim. I was like in my, I knew what I was doing in my head, you know, yeah. I just didn't know the consequences behind it. So I didn't know at the time that, you know, I thought I'm just doing these pills and, you know, 
shooting up for fun just to hang out right. with cool people. Mm. I didn't know that my body would physically get addicted to it if I do it seven days in a row. I thought it was just partying for a week long, you know, sure, and then yeah. on day eight, I could stop, but it wasn't that simple. By that point, I was physically addicted. I was hurting. I was in withdrawals and I didn't know, you know, I didn't know yeah. what to do. And so I, I just knew I had to keep going just to feel normal and get to work and pay my car payment. Cause at this point I was driving and I had a car payment and uh, I had to, I had to keep going on, you know? So, um, it definitely started out as partying and just thinking like I was in with the cool crowd having fun. Yeah. And then it, and then it progressed obviously. And, you know, after I was already injecting pills, I was having to pay for a lot of that. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure like most people, heroin was cheaper, you know, yep. so then yeah. they moved to heroin and, um, you know, I've overdosed more times than I can count, uh, really? truly embarrassing, um, you know, in the tannin bed one time overdose at my niece's birthday party. I mean, so many times it is so humiliating and it wasn't, I wasn't, you know, trying to kill myself or it was just yeah. completely accidental, but it's so dangerous. And especially now, I mean, I'm four years clean now, but I see it all over the news and the headlines, how fentanyl is just in yes. everything. I truly would be scared to death now to use because right. I would be, I would, I would fear death, you know, back then I was young and reckless and dumb and I didn't know, I knew better, yeah. but I didn't know better at the same sure. time, you know, yeah. and it's like, um, I didn't think about what is this cut with and will I over, I didn't think about those things, yeah. you know, so. Wow. Yes. Well, so did your, did you have anyone in your life at that time that was trying to get you to, to stop? I mean, granted your parents weren't there grandparents were struggling themselves. Was there anyone in your life at that time that was trying to say, Hey, Kelsey, you, this isn't good. I don't want you doing these things. Or, or did you not have that? So let me tell you the difference. And I tell people, I have so many followers that reach out and say, you know, I love someone that's in addiction. How can I help them? Let me tell you, this is the difference. So for me, I didn't have people that genuinely tried to help in the way you just described. <clears throat> I had people who excuse my language, but bitched at me, you know, yeah. like you need to do this and you need to get your act together. Don't, that is the worst thing you can yeah. do for an addict. You need to come to them in a gentle way and say, I just want what's best for you. How can I help you right now? Do you need help calling rehabs? Can I find some meetings in your area? Do you need to stay with me while you detox? We can do this together. Yeah. That's what I needed. Sure. And I didn't have that, you know, okay. and I always tell <clears> people like, be gentle with them because most times us addicts, while we're in active addiction, we are so hurt and we are so broken, you know, and we, yeah. someone yelling at us is the worst thing you can do because then, then we get mad and we're angry. And the only thing we know how to do is numb that. And how do we numb that? We go right back to the drugs, you right. know, like if we have someone that truly gently comes to us with a, like a caring heart then that it might make a big difference, you know? Yeah. So I didn't have that. And I think that I, that would have helped me more if I did. Okay. Very well said. I love that. I think that's great advice. And you're right. It's, you know, the last thing they need is to feel shame, more shame, <laughs> you know, yes. and you just need someone, Hey, I'm here to help you. I'll walk the walk with you. If you're willing to walk it with me, I'm here for you, that kind of thing. And I love what you just said. That was so beautifully said, you know, one of the things again, that I'm really impressed with you um, how aware you are of what you went through, meaning like your awareness levels, it's a top level, meaning I read something that you wrote. You said, 
the lie that you always told yourself was you'll always be a junkie. Yes. How did that, how did that lie keep you stuck and continuing doing what you were doing? Oh, it gives me chills just hearing you read that again, because yeah. I genuinely felt like that. And not oh. only myself, but because people would say that, right. We all know the stigma around addiction, you know, yes, and right. even now, you know, when reels on Instagram, they have a far reach, you know, you right. might only have, you know, 4,000 followers, but your, your reels can reach a million easily. Yeah, so, right. you know, when I post about my recovery, I even to this day still get those hateful comments, you know, like, Oh, wow. you deserve it. You did it to yourself you know but <laughs> for amazing. me I think it was it was a lot of that's what I heard you know like I heard that you'll always be a junkie and I think over time I mm. believed it myself and right I know now that you know that's not true we can always pick ourselves up and pull ourselves out of the situation but you know words matter you know yeah. and words cut deep they hurt you know especially yeah. to sensitive people and I'm one of those I am very sensitive um <laughs> so they really do cut deep and also just from my own point like I have genuinely tried to you know cold turkey it and get clean yeah. on my own and um you know I didn't I was raised on Medicaid and food stamps so I didn't have you know, money just to go check myself into right. a rehab. I had called plenty. Lord knows I did not know how expensive rehabs are. Um, so I would, I, my only option was to do it by myself and I couldn't. So I just, that lie over and over, you're just trash, Kelsey, you're going to be trash. Just suck it up. This is your yeah. life now. This, you know, and you, you believe the lie that you keep telling yourself and the yeah. lies that people keep saying of you, you genuinely believe it. Yeah. It's amazing that people, you know, again, just a side note, when people are bagging on what you're doing, like you did it to your, it just blows my mind. And again, it comes with the territory and I know that, but man, I, that is powerful. What you just said. And those lies are what keep us stuck. And I get why you believed it, you know? So obviously you go through 13 years of addiction. You, you had three DUIs, you've overdosed several times. You went to jail even, I mean, I mean, I know you hear this a lot and it maybe bothers you a little bit, but like, you don't look like someone who would be an addict or a junkie who's been to jail. You know? Oh my gosh. Right? I you hear that, yeah, right? Trust me. When I, when I first went to jail, I'm not even kidding you. I think the girls thought I was on like 60 days in or <laughs> like, like we're a part, like I was an undercover, like right. one girl in particular, like I'm pretty sure she was sure of it. She was like, not my biggest fan. It was like spreading rumors around them. Yeah. And it was like the crazy, when I got there, I'm a very small petite person. So uh -huh. when I got there, they put me in a different uniform than all the other girls, because it was the oh. only thing I could fit. And so that just like threw up a bunch more red flag she's like see she's not even dressed like us she's not really an inmate and I'm like right. I'm really they were asking for like my my charges like my paperwork and I'm like I was so scared it was my first time in jail like to stay wow. I was terrified but yeah I do hear that a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah and again I mean I guess on one level it's a compliment but on the other side it's you know addiction affects everybody it doesn't matter where you came from what you look like you know what career you may have or don't have it doesn't matter it can, exactly. it, it can take us all down for sure. So what, so what, what changed? Like what, what made you to get to that point where you're like, you know what, I'm ready to get help. I want to go do this. Like what happened? Did something happen or did you just get sick and tired of it? Tell well, us what happened. Yeah. 
So I, I had been sick and tired of it for many years, but like I said, I tried the cold turkey. I tried, I mean, I literally didn't just try cold turkey. I tried weaning myself down. Yeah. Like I've tried everything. Yeah. And so I've been sick and tired for a long time, but yeah. um, it was my third DUI actually. And um, at this point, I mean, I had, you know, stopped using um, and got help through a doctor for my addiction while I was going through both of my pregnancies. But it's like, after I had the babies, yeah. I, it's like, I would use another excuse. So after I had my son, um, that was my second child, the two, having two kids was so hard. That was my excuse. It's so hard. I just need a Xanax. I need a Xanax to help with the nerves. That's what people do. They take Xanax, right? Doctors give yeah. people Xanax. So then I was taking Xanax and it was not prescribed. I was buying them from a dealer. And, yeah. you know, that was my excuse. Like every, and that's what I say with us addicts. And we have to retrain our mentality when we become clean because everything that someone says that hurts us, that makes us mad that, you know, even yeah. if we're just cleaning and we stub our toe, that makes us mad and we need yeah. to numb that pain. We need to be numb. That's all we know, you know? Yeah. So when I had my second kid, just, it was so overwhelming. So what did I need? I needed to numb it. I needed to get high again. So I would always fall back into that trap, but I had my third DUI and at this point I was on probation still for the second DUI right, wow. and um, I was facing five years in prison and my lawyer, you know, I paid great money for him and he's the best of the best, but even he said, Kelsey, you're, you're going away. You are going away. I cannot get you out of this. Like you've got wow. a long rap, uh, you know, rap sheet. I, I cannot help you unless you help yourself. And yeah. I was like, well, what can I do? Like, I would go to like NA meetings and AA meetings voluntarily, have them sign the paper to take to the court. I would do all the things, pass all the drug tests, you know, all the things. And by passing the drug test, I mean, using someone else's urine. I really wasn't clean still because, <laughs> because if yeah. not, I would be sick, you know? Yeah. So like I couldn't do it. So I said, what about rehab? Is there anything you can do to help me get into rehab? Cause I'm willing to, to get yeah. sober. I just can't do it on my own. Yeah. And I think that so many addicts have that issue. My goodness. I talked to so many people and they're yeah. like, how did you do it? I'm struggling. And I'm like yeah. rehab. I can't yeah. stress that enough. And I, I understand from personal experience that rehabs are expensive, right? Yeah, right. And I'm not saying go out and get into trouble to get in it, but that's kind of right. what happened to me. You know, after yeah. my third DUI, I was facing a lot of time and my lawyer was able to get me court ordered rehab. Now it's not your luxury, fancy rehab where you get to wear cute clothes <laughs> and have a right. in-ground pool in the back. It was state yeah. funded and part of the prison system. So you, you ate meals that were prison food and you had a strict curfew, you know, you didn't get to leave the property. It was all yeah. in there. So it wasn't luxury, but my goodness, it saved my life. It wow. saved my life. And I'm, so grateful. And I think, you know, when I talk about my addiction, um, I, I like my, even the trauma from my childhood, like in addiction, you really, I mean, uh, in rehab, you really get down to the root of like yeah. your childhood and the reason you use and, you know, the triggers that could possibly lead to using again, you really focus on all of that. Whereas, yeah. you know, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have thought about that really, you know, like a yeah. lot of people chalk sure. it up like, oh, my childhood sucks, but it has nothing to do with my addiction. You'd be surprised. You would be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. You know, speaking of that, I mean, you go to rehab and obviously you start working on the root causes of why you were blowing up your life. And again, anyone hearing your story and what you were faced with as a kid would go, oh, I get why Kelsey struggled. I mean, they wouldn't, they'd go, yeah, who wouldn't, you know? So yeah. 
what, what did you learn about yourself through all of this process of, you know, going to rehab? What did you learn and how did you become at peace with your past? Because again, you have every right to resent your past based on what you tell us, but I, obviously you're at peace with it because here you are thriving, moving forward. I know you're not perfect, but you're doing really, really good. What, what was that? How did you become at peace with it? Well, so let me tell you, that was a struggle for a long time. I'm at peace with it now, but even when I first came home from rehab and years after, I mean, I'll tell you this past year was the first time I shared my addiction and my recovery and I'm almost four years sober. So I hit it for three whole years and I'll tell you, it was shame, embarrassment, Mm. um, all of that just ate me up, but I'll tell you. I'm telling you, um, sharing it out loud has really, really helped me, um, overcome that, you know, and just, uh, be at peace with it. And also I have to remind myself I'm human, right? I'm human. I make mistakes. Why does society deem my mistakes, which quote unquote are addiction, my mistakes worse than their mistakes. A mistake is a mistake, right? We all learn differently, you know, maybe Susie down the road, she eats too much or she eats when she is uh, sad. You know, what is the difference in me, um, you know, using or taking a pill or drinking a beer when I'm sad? You know, why is mine worse than hers? It's not, you know, and people need to learn to have grace with themselves and grace with others and spread kindness. You know, it's it's free. It's totally free, you know, spread kindness and not hate on everybody for their choices, especially if they're doing the right steps to motivate themselves and better than their lives. And I don't see why people do it. Wow. I love that. That was very well said again. You know, I want to take a a moment to, to, for our listeners, uh, I I, I like to bring this up, the difference between guilt and shame. Because again, you're, you have felt a lot of shame and stuff you went through. Guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I'm bad. Yeah. And again, you would label yourself, Hey, I'm always going to be a junkie. I'm always going to be trash. This is just my life. Look what I went through. My, you know, I had to go through this. My parents, you know, were struggling, didn't need, didn't want me. You felt abandoned all this stuff. And no wonder you felt some shame. I mean, Oh my goodness. <laughs> I hear your story yeah. and my heart just sinks, you know, I'm like, wow. But, to, but I would imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, that shame is no longer there. No, uh, no, it's not. And I know now, you know, through my recovery and honestly, through Jesus Christ, that I am worthy. I am worthy. I am enough. God has forgiven me. I have forgiven myself. And it is just such a relief. And especially just, you know, sharing my story and and helping so many other people, it's just, it's a blessing, you know, and I'm so grateful for this platform and, you know, for opportunities like this, where I can hopefully potentially reach more people and, you know, share my story and hopefully inspire their own story. Wow, man. You just, you brought tears to my eyes, what you just said. Thank you for sharing that. And thanks for being so bold in what you believe and how you got there. It's, it truly is inspiring. You know, I think you're welcome. I think one of the things you also said going to rehab was the strongest thing you have ever done. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times, right. That we think to ask for help or even to go to rehab, um, it's a form of weakness somehow. Right. You know, but you know, I, I send, I help a lot of people get into treatment and you know, I'm currently a counselor here at Wasatch recovery. And I always say when they get here, I'm like, Hey, you just, you should be so excited. They're like, what? 
I'm coming to rehab. I go, no, you're at the best university on the planet. Yes. And it's just perspective, you know, and it's like, they go, Oh, wow. I never thought of it that way. I go. Yeah. So if people go, Hey, where have you been for 90 days? You look them in the eye and you say best university on the planet. They'll stop them right in their tracks. (laughs) Yes. I love that so much. And that's right. Yes, that's right. I mean, look at the stuff you've learned and what you're doing now. And, um, so now obviously you, but you four years clean come in January, which again, congratulations. That's so beautiful. What, what is your plans? I mean, obviously, which we found out earlier before we started recording that this is your first podcast. And that blew my mind. I'm like, how in the heck am, is this the first? So what are your plans to help people who are struggling? Do you have, I mean, granted, you have a, a very strong social media following, you share your story, you're, you're very vulnerable on there, which is beautiful. But what do you have plans that you want to go out and help other people in a in maybe in a bigger way somehow? Yes, honestly, I have so, so many goals that I would love to do. So actually, you know, when I found my faith in jail, and I know when I mm. say that some people instantly think, oh, it's the jailhouse religion, it's the jailhouse <laughs> religion. And you know what, call it what you want. But yeah. that is where I found God. And I am not ashamed of that. So what I would yeah. love to do most is I would love to be that person who goes into women's prisons and women's jails and, you know, share my story with them because it was through that type of situation where I found God, you know, and uh, it was the jail chaplain um, at the jail house, but then I still keep in contact with her today. I love her to death. I uh, even attend the same church as she has or that she goes Uh to, but I just love it so much, but I would love to do more podcast interviews like this and just uh, keep sharing my story with anybody and everybody. Um, there's a pastor. He actually was our officiant when we got married. He asked me to come speak for him. And I told him I would love to, you know, any opportunities that I'm presented to share my story, I am more than willing and happy to do so. Yeah, no, you, you definitely need to, you know, I had a a great opportunity to speak at, uh, uh, the Utah state prison where I live and I got to go share my story there. And, um, before I got up to speak, they had three inmates speak before me. They had each one of them took five minutes and in the last one, I'll never forget what he said. He goes, if you don't own your story, it owns you. And I thought, I walked up to him, I go, I'm stealing that from you. Because exactly that's what you're saying is you're, yeah. you're, you're going to own your story. And then granted, you're going to help so many people. So it no longer owns you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I love that so much. I'm gonna have to use that. <laughs> yes, please do. Please do. Um, so, you know, um, through this, what Maybe, I mean, you've already shared some amazing things. What would you think the biggest, maybe aha moment or the biggest lesson you've learned through this 13 years and and now coming on four years clean of going through all of this? Oh gosh, just honestly, (laughs) yeah, it's a big question, but I think there's just so much like my post yesterday that was saying, you know, like be mindful of who you surround yourself with. I think for me, because I think there was a, there was a saying my grandma used to say, um, but it was when I was like starting to hang out with that wronger crowd and she didn't know, she didn't know like what they were into. She just knew they were much older, but she would say something like, you know, you are the company you keep or something like that. And I'm like, whatever, but it's like, it's one of those aha moments now looking back because I'm like, gosh, I should have known better, of course, you know, and it's like now in my, 
say at 30 years old, I want to surround myself with like-minded people, you know, people who want success and they want, yeah. they're driven and motivated. I want to be surrounded by people who inspire me and lift me up and encourage me. You know, I always say now, like, if you're not bringing something positive to my life, then I yeah. don't need you in my life. You know, yeah, I'm not just sure. how I feel. And maybe that's selfish, but in recovery, we have to be selfish. Absolutely. No, very well said. I totally agree. You know, what is it? So I would like to our listeners to know what does a day look like for you? I mean, you know, do you have like a morning routine? Do you have something that you follow every day? Is there something that kind of, obviously you're a, a woman of faith. Um, and you know, I'm sure that's a big part of what you do every day. Can you kind of just describe what you do? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So, um, in the mornings I wake up, I have two, two kids, you know, they're six and eight. So I get them ready for school. I come back home and, um, I eat my breakfast and I, the first thing I do to start my day is I give gratitude to God. Mm, wow. He is where he is the reason why I'm, I'm here in my life right now. I am alive. All of my overdoses, I should not have lived. Okay. I mean, I should, I've been through so much in my life and I'm still here for a reason and all glory to God. I mean, I was yeah. literally saved by grace and his mercy and faithfulness and love. I just, I am so passionate about sharing that because it literally truly saved my life. So I always give gratitude to God in the mornings. It's just it helps yeah. me through my day. Sure. Um, and then I start getting myself ready to quote unquote work. I love working from home. I love working <laughs> social media because yeah. the amount of people that I've reached and connected with um, and helped yeah. has just been truly amazing. Um, you know, I, I promote fashion. I promote yeah. beauty. I promote recovery. I promote um, just my life in general. And, you know, surprisingly, you know, and looking back now at when I would say I'll always be a junkie and I'll always be trash. You know, I never thought that I could be that somebody who people look up to, you know, I never thought that I would be somebody that people cared about. And that goes back to my childhood of, you know, not feeling like enough, you know, and right. it's like, you know, to be where I'm at today, I'm just so grateful and thankful. And um, I'm just, I literally am just so grateful to be here where I'm at. So that's kind yeah. of what my day consists of is okay. just getting to work. Once my kids come home from school, it is wild and loud and crazy. <laughs> so then it's just straight mom mode after yeah. that. <laughs> no, I totally understand. No, thank you for sharing that. You know, if the biggest lie you always told yourself was you'll always be a junkie. Now, what is the biggest truth you tell yourself? that I am worthy and I'm capable of doing everything that I set my mind to. And it wow. is the truth. You know, I think so many of us in addiction, we don't feel worthy, you know, like even like starting, you know, my businesses, like I didn't think I was pretty enough to promote makeup. I didn't think I was somebody that people would watch, you know, just little things like that, because yeah. of that lie that we tell yeah. ourselves. Sure. But I know now that I am worthy of everything that I put my mind to. And that is so powerful. Once you have that mindset, you can literally accomplish anything. And that is something else I want to touch on super quick, but mindset no, matters. Yes. Mindset matters. It is so, so, so important. If you go in to your recovery or your day to day thinking today's going to be a crap day, I'm not going to, I'm never going to get clean. I'm and like the lie I told myself, I'm always going to be a junkie. 
Yeah. That is what is going to happen. You have to pull yourself out. Even when I was in rehab and I was very doubtful of it because of the lie I told myself, I was very doubtful that it was, it would work. By the time I got home, I'd go right back. But I, I kept telling myself like, this is going to work. This has to work. And I prayed so hard on yeah. it. Um, and it has worked. It has stuck, you know? So yeah, I definitely, uh, definitely see now how much mindset matters. Wow. That's amazing. Well, you're definitely beautiful on the outside and beautiful on the inside. You're just an amazing person. Seriously. Um, I love the way you carry yourself and, and really you are a walking miracle. Like you said, you should be dead. Um, you were dealt some really bad cards right off the get go when you were born. I mean, you have all these things working against you, but yet here you are prevailing and doing all this good in the world. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) It is awesome. If there's, if there's someone listening to you right this very moment and they are in the depths of hell, they are struggling, whether it's addiction or something else. What would you tell that one person right now? Take the first step in seeking treatment or seeking out someone who can help you with treatment. And guys, I'm I'm sure that Todd will share my social medias, but reach out to me, follow me. I cannot tell you. I mean, I will ask you your location, not your direct address, but I will find meetings in your area for you. I will do whatever I can to help you seek treatment. But that first step is so important. Remember that you don't have to live like that. And I know yeah. that right now, and if yeah. you're, you know, at, at your rock bottom, it feels like that's all there is, but there's not, you got to keep looking for that light at the end of the tunnel, even though it's so dark where you're at and that light isn't visible, just know that it is there and you might need help. And that does not make you weak. That makes you so strong. Like Todd was saying, when people come to him, you know, um, that they, that it's exciting, but they don't feel like it is. It is yeah. exciting. Don't feel weak. That is the strongest thing you can do is ask for help. Um, and that's what I encourage you to do. Wow. Very beautiful advice. Thank you so much. You know, so if someone does want to reach out to you, Kelsey, what's the best way for them to ask you a question, you know, see all the good things that you're doing? What's the best place for them to go to? Um, Instagram, Instagram message okay. me. Okay. And, and give us your Instagram feed. It's just, um, Kelsey Autry. That's it. All, all one word, no spaces, no periods, underscores, just Kelsey Autry. Okay. Just want to make sure that everyone hears that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, one last question. What do you love most about you? I love my kindness. I, yeah, mm. I, I love this quote. It says like, uh, spread it around like confetti, but I literally genuinely live by kindness. Um, yeah. showing that to others and grace too, because I wasn't shown a whole lot of grace through my addiction. I think people yeah. just automatically judged me, yeah. but, um, kindness goes so far. And I think like the more my account grows and I see and feel so much hate, it makes kindness that much more important to me. And I'll just be at the like grocery store checking yeah. out. And like, even if the cashier's earrings are not my style and I yeah. wouldn't wear them, I'm like, I love your earrings. They're so yeah. beautiful. Like just a random compliment sure. can make someone's day. And I just think that the world needs more of it. It literally needs more of it. Wow. Well, I love that about you as well, Kelsey. Seriously. You're amazing. Thank um, you. I, I, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with me today. 
uh, thank you for letting me reach out to you. And I know you didn't know me at all. And you're probably <laughs> like, who's this dude reaching out to me? <laughs> no. I, I appreciate your trust. Um, I can't wait for, I mean, we're going to shoot this out to 300,000 people. I, I can't wait for people to hear your story and to just see all the good you're doing. And I just can't thank you enough for, for taking the time and being vulnerable today and sharing your story with us. Absolutely. I'm so, so, so happy that I could help. And thank you. It's such an honor to be here today and to meet you and spend time with you. And, you know, even if we just help one person, yes. it's so worth it. You know, it's Absolutely. so, so, so worth it. Absolutely. Well said. Well, there you go, folks. I told you today was going to be amazing. Kelsey Autry, please reach out to her on Instagram. Uh, check out what she's doing. She, again, she's you know, what I love about her Instagram page is it's, it's not like this dead serious, you know, it's just you're having fun and but you're also vulnerable at the same time. So it's really cool to watch how you do that. But uh, please reach out to her. And again, thank you for tuning in. If you have someone that's struggling with addiction, especially, and you don't know how to talk to them, and you're afraid to talk to them, just send them this link to this uh, belief cast of Kelsey Autry and it will break the ice. And then after you can follow up and go, Hey, what did you think of her story? <laughs> it's a great yeah. way to kind of open the door for that communication. And I so, love that. Yeah. So share that. And I love you guys so much. And again, Kelsey, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you. It was nice meeting you. Nice meeting you.